Chapter 28 of Idiala. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wild Shimmering Path. Idiala by Sarah Grand. Chapter 28. I hoped Claudia's plain speaking had made an impression but for a long time after that it seemed as if Idiala's interest in life had really ended, that her sphere of usefulness had contracted, and that she herself would become like the rest, a doer of unconnected trifles that have meaning only as the straws have meaning which show which way the current sets. One cannot help thinking how many of these significant straws must go down to the ocean and be lost, their little use unrecognized, their little labor unavailing, because it does so little good merely to know which way the stream is setting, or what ocean will receive it at last, if we have no power to profit by the knowledge. At this time Idiala's own life was not unlike one of these hapless straws, and it seemed a wretched failure of its early promise, that ending as a straw on the common stream, when so little might have made her influence in her own sphere like the river itself, strong and beautiful, those who loved her watched her in her trouble with eager hope that some good might yet come of it but the hope diminished always as the days wore on at first her mind had raged and stormed one could see it though she said so little her renunciation was perfect but nevertheless she could not reconcile herself to it she would not go back but she could not go on and so she remained midway between the past which was hateful to her and the future which was a blank raging at both but gradually the storm subsided and then came a period of calm but whether it was the calm of apathy or the calm of resignation it was hard to say and meantime she lost her health again and became so fragile that my sister only expressed what i felt when she was speaking of her one day and said sadly her cheek is so waxenly thin as if deathward twere whitening in and the cloud of her flesh still more white were clearing till soul is in sight her large eyes too liquidly glister, her mouth is too red. Have they kissed her, the angels that bend down to pull our buds of the beautiful, and whispered, their own little sister? We were anxious to take her abroad, but she would not accompany us. She talked of going alone, but she did not go, and after a time we gave up thinking about it. Then one day, quite suddenly, she said, It is time this old hysterical mock disease should die, and she told us that she had at last decided to travel somewhere nothing more definite than that for she said she had no fixed plans we concluded however that she meant to be away some time for she said something about perils of the deep and the uncertainty of life generally and she confided her private papers to my care telling me to look at them if they would interest me and make what use of them i pleased and that was how those from which i have gathered much of her story came into my possession and then she left us and for a whole year we heard nothing of her not one word claudia chafed a little and complained as women will when things do not arrange themselves exactly as they would have ordered them but i was content to wait and because i expected nothing the time did not seem so long as perhaps it might have done we lived our usual life part of the year in one of the eastern counties and part in london and then we came north again it was winter weather frosty and clear and bright and i was tempted out a great deal taking long rides, begun before sunset and ending by moonlight, and generally alone. And always, when the world seemed most beautiful, I thought of Idiala, and how she had loved its beauty. 
mountain and plain, flood and field, forest and flower, the snow and the sunshine and all the alternations of light and shade, the wonders of form and the depth and harmony of color, the blue sky by day with its glories of sunrise and sunset, the dark sky by night with its moonlight and starlight the sky always that cloudland to which when we are wearied by the more monotonous earth we had only to lift our eyes and there the scene is changing forever the sky and the sea in all its vague immensity would she ever see it again in the old way when she left us one might have said of her mental state oh dark 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 amid the blaze of noon irrecoverably dark total eclipse without all hope of day and where was she now and was she learning to see again i own i sometimes had the presumption to think that if she had stayed with us i might have helped her it seemed hardly credible that she should be able to stand alone at such a time not to speak of the strength required to take her out of herself and was not the loneliness itself an added misery she never could bear to be alone and i always thought the worst trial of her married life was the mental solitude to which it had reduced her by making her feel the necessity for reserve even with her best friends of course she had chosen to go alone it was quite her own doing but i could not help thinking uneasily at times that she would not have gone at all if she had not noticed how anxious we were about her and fancied she could relieve us of our trouble by relieving us of her presence that would have been so like Idiala, and then my thoughts would wander off recalling her numberless little deeds of love her perfect selflessness and all the depth and beauty of her great and tender nature as we do recall such things of one who has gone and will never more return as in the old days to make us glad there was the day i had seen her from the club window stoop to pick up a little ragged barefooted child that was crying in the street and wrap her furs about it and carry it off smiling and happy in her arms with no more thought of the attention such an action would attract than if she had been alone with her waif in the desert but many and many a time and in many a way she had made glad hearts by deeds like that and now where was she and was there never a one in the whole wide world to help her to bear her own sorrow and ease her pain one evening in particular i had been more than usually tormented by such thoughts i had been blaming myself bitterly for having allowed her to go away alone and when i rode up to my own door i was conscious of a half-formed resolution to follow her without delay and bring her back claudia was standing on the steps in the crisp fresh evening air apparently watching for me she put her arms round my neck when i alighted and kissed me has she written i exclaimed for claudia was not demonstrative and this meant something she is here was the answer my heart gave a great leap but i could not ask if it were well with her i could only look at claudia and wonder if it were the moonlight that made the expression of her face so singularly content and sweet i went into the lighted house and being somewhat dazed and altogether too eager to see her at once i dressed for the evening leisurely and then i went to find her there was a change in the house already it was lighted from top to bottom as befits a time of rejoicing and our other guests whom i passed in my search seemed gayer or i fancied so she was not among them but i took the liberty of going to her rooms and knocked at the sitting-room door and entered she rose to receive me stretching out her hands and my first impression was that she had grown afterwards i understood that it was a change in the fashion of her dress that made it appear so 
she wore a long robe exquisitely draped which was loose but yet clung to her and fell in rich folds about her with a grace that satisfied i cannot describe the fashion of this robe or the form but i have seen one like it somewhere it must have been in a picture or on a statue of a grand heroic woman or a saint and it suggested something womanly and strong but not to be defined it was Idiala herself not as she had been but as i always hoped she would be and felt she might she showed the change in every gesture but most of all in her clear and steady eyes which made you feel she had a purpose now and a future yet before her she looked as women look when they know themselves entrusted with a work and have the courage and resolution to be true and worthy of their trust she was very gracious but somehow in the first moment of our meeting i felt abashed abashed before this woman who had gone down to the verge of dishonour but whose goodness with the vitality of all goodness had raised her again above the best whose trouble had been to her because of this goodness as is a painful operation which must be gone through if the patient would ever be strong i fancy she thought me cold because my great respect made me shy and i hesitated to show her all the joy i felt won't you kiss me once after my long long voyage she said holding up her face like a child to be kissed and it made me inexpressibly glad to perceive that while gaining in dignity and purpose her character had lost none of the childlike faith and affection which had been one of the greatest charms of the old ideala i could not help examining her curiously looking for traces of a conflict for those lines of suffering which are generally left by fierce mental troubles like scars after a battle showing that the fight has been no child's play but a struggle for life or death such a conflict there must have been but all trace of it was swept away by the wonderful peace that had succeeded it ideala looked younger certainly but the change showed itself most in her perfect serenity and in the steadfast earnestness of her wonderful eyes but i had no time to talk to her for claudia in diamonds and velvet and lace her donning of which is her own way of expressing a satisfaction too deep for words blazed in upon us if it had occurred so her she would certainly have had the bells of the parish rung provided my authority as lay rector could have accomplished such an extravagance she took us away with her now to join our other guests and when dinner was announced i offered ideala my arm she was silent as we went but looked about her with a grave little smile on her lips renewing her acquaintance with familiar objects and noting every change and so busy was she with her own reflections so thoroughly absorbed that when we were seated at table she put her serviette beside her plate and her bread on her lap mechanically and took up her knife and fork to eat her soup she seemed puzzled for a moment when she found that the implement did not answer and then she laughed such a fresh girlish laugh it did one's heart good to hear her yes verily ideala was herself again absent-mindedness and all and before dinner was over a wonderful thing had happened for whereas we had hitherto been the most commonplace and prosaic party imaginable getting along smoothly taking no particular interest in each other or in anything else and only remarkable for a degree of dullness which would have astonished us by its bulk could it have been weighed and measured to-night for no apparent reason we suddenly woke up and astounded ourselves by more originality than we had been accustomed to believe was left in the world altogether while something put into our conversation just the right amount of polite friction to act as a counter-irritant so that when we left the table each felt that he had been at his best had been brilliant in fact and shone with lustre enough to make any man happy once in a london theatre i saw an actress walk across the stage 
she did not utter a word she never looked at the audience she was apparently unconscious of everything but what she had in her own mind yet before she was half across the stage the people rose to their feet with a roar Idiala's coming amongst us had produced some such startling effect but her power was altogether occult the audience knew what the actress meant but we did not understand Idiala, and yet we applauded by laying our best before her and acknowledged the charm of her presence in every word she spoke very little however indeed i remember nothing she said until we went to the drawing-room on the way thither claudia had picked up a crumpled paper and glancing at it had exclaimed why idiala here are some of your verses do you still write verses it was curious that we all spoke as if she had been away for years yes she answered tranquilly and claudia coolly proceeded to read the verses aloud a difficult task as they were scribbled in pencil on half a sheet of note-paper and were scarcely decipherable idiala meanwhile listened with calm eyes fixed on vacancy like one trying to be polite but finding it hard for lack of interest by arno when the tale was o'er at sunset as in days of yore i wandered forth and dreamed the sky above the town below the solemn river's silent flow the ancient story haunts i know in various colours gleamed by arno calm my steps i stayed just where the river's bank displayed a tangled growth of weeds tall houses near and on the right an arched bridge upreared its height and boats drew near and passed from sight i heard the tramp of steeds i heard and saw but heeded not my feet were rooted to the spot a fancy checked my breath twas here that tito lay i knew his fair face upward to the blue his velvet tunic soaking through most beautiful in death but baldassari was not there twas i that stooped to kiss the hair besprent with ooze and dew ah god light gold the locks caressed i saw no greek in velvet dressed but wildly to my bosom pressed not tito love but you the massive godlike head and throat belonged not to those days remote the fine grey eye the limb it was the soul i know so well so full of earth and heaven and hell that came from out that time to dwell in you and make you him and i the victim of your smiles and i the victim of your wiles my vengeance shall prevail the river time shall float you nigh and earth and hell your soul shall fly and only heaven remain when i the deed triumphant hail it surprised me to find that claudia could read those verses to the end their import to me at least was so obvious but idiala continued unmoved and when the little buzz of friendly criticism had subsided she remarked with unimpassioned directness i am quite sure that all my verses are rubbish but nevertheless they delight me i should feel dumb without the power to make verses it is a means of expression that satisfies when nothing else will i always carry my last about in my pocket i know them by heart of course but still it is a pleasure to read them and so it continues until i write some more and then i immediately perceive that the old ones are bad and i destroy them when i remember those were condemned ages ago so please oblige me claudia by putting them into the fire claudia was about to obey but i interposed i had a fancy for keeping those verses they are rubbish if you will but the sentiment which struggles to find expression in them is far from despicable no one smoked that evening no one played billiards no one cared for music we just sat round the fire in a circle and talked and where have you come from idiala was the first question from china she answered there was a general exclamation 
I have been with the missionaries in China, she added. Oh, isn't it very strange, the life in China? someone asked. It looks different, she said, but it feels like our own. To begin with, one is struck by the strange appearance of the people and the quaint humor of their art, but when the first effect wears off and you learn to know them, you find, after all, that theirs is the same human nature, only in another garb, the familiar old tune, as it were, with a new set of variations. The like in unlikeness is common enough, but still the finding of a remarkable similarity in things apparently unlike continues to surprise us. But, Idiola, you cannot compare the Chinese to ourselves. Think of the state of degradation the people are in. Every crime is rife among them. Infanticide is quite common. Yes, said Idiola, as if it were the most natural thing in the world. Yes, doubtless the lower classes in China kill their children. Here, in certain districts, they insure them, Idiala concluded gravely. But then, said Claudia, oh, Idiala, I don't think you can establish your parallel. We all know the sort of a life a Chinese lady leads. When the lady is not at the head of her house, it is certainly vacuous, Idiala agreed. Like the lives of our own ladies when they are not forced to do anything. Why, at Scarborough this year, they had to take to changing their dresses four times a day, so you can imagine how they languish for want of occupation. Well, at all events, English girls are not sold into a hateful form of slavery, someone observed contentedly. Are they not? Idiola rejoined with a flash. I can assure you that both women and men, fathers, husbands, and brothers of the same class in England, do sell their young girls, and I can prove it. We have the pull over them in the matter of marriage, then. We don't give our daughters away against their will as they do. That is not a fair way of putting it. A Chinese girl expects to be so disposed of and accepts the arrangement as a matter of course, and the system has its advantages. The girl has no illusions to be shattered. She expects no new happiness in her married life, so that any that comes to her is clear gain. As to our daughter's inclinations not being forced, I suppose they are not. Exactly. But have you ever been conscious of the tender pressure that is brought to bear when a desirable suitor offers? Have you never seen a girl who won't marry when she is wanted to, wincing from covert stabs, mourning over cold looks, and made to feel outside everything, suffering a small martyrdom under the general displeasure of all for whom she cares, her world, without whose love is a burden to her, whom she believes to know best about everything? As Mrs. Bread said about Madame de Cintre, she is a delicate creature, and they make her feel wicked and she ends by thinking any sacrifice light at the moment, if only it wins her back the affection and esteem of her friends. Iriala had been carried away by her earnestness, and now she stopped abruptly, somewhat disconcerted to find everyone listening to her. The ladies sat with their eyes on the floor, the gentlemen exchanged glances, but no one spoke for some time. At last my sister made a move, and the spell was broken, we separated for the night, and many were the ladylike whispers that reached my ears, all ending in, So like Idiala! But as Idiala herself remarked on another occasion, You can't sweep a room that requires it without raising a dust. The thing is to let the dust settle again, and then remove it. End of chapter 28